Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. As we prepare to look into God's Word, let me read to you beginning in verse 20 down to verse 23. It says, Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. As I shared with you last Sunday morning, today we are concluding our study through the book of Philippians. Well over a year we have taken time to go through each verse together as God's people, trying to soak in as much of it as we can, covering a wide variety of topics. And so today we come to the closing verses, here in verse 20 down to verse 23. And one might be tempted to just gloss over these verses, not thinking much of them. But that would really be a serious mistake on our part to do that. Because these are the final words that Paul is sharing with the church at Philippi. A church that he loves very much. And as such, they are critical words that he wanted to share with them that really helped them in putting in perspective the entire letter. Paul has encouraged them throughout this letter. He has exhorted them throughout this letter. He has challenged them throughout this letter with many different responsibilities that he has brought to their attention. And now as he's concluding his letter, he's wanting to give them three reminders that really applies to all of what it is he has shared with them throughout the four chapters. And let me give you those three up front, and then we'll walk through them together. His first reminder to them is that to be about the purpose of God. What is the purpose of all that Paul has given them? And that is the purpose we will find there in verse 20 is the glory of God. Then secondly, he wants to remind them about maintaining the right perspective in all of what it is that they are to be doing. And that is to be thinking about the people of God and to see themselves as being related to one another as the body of Christ and as the people of God. That's why we're going to see there in verse 21 and 22. And then in verse 23, he's going to bring it all together. And remind them that they need to depend and that they must depend on the power of God. That is the grace of God to do anything that he has challenged them, he has exhorted them, he has told them to do in this letter. So let's go back. And this will apply for us today as God's people as we seek to put into practice all of what Paul has given us here in this letter. And as we do, let's first and foremost be reminded of the purpose for all of it. And the purpose is the glory of God. As Paul says there in verse 20, Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. That is, do all of what I have 
challenge you to do. Do all of what I've instructed you to do for the glory and the power of God. That is, Paul is saying, keep an eternal perspective throughout all of it. That this is really about God's glory. And the purpose for all that we are to do as the body of Christ is for the the glory of God. Thus, beloved, don't get caught up in just living for the here and now, just living for the temporary, but we are to live and do things with an eternal perspective. That is, for the glory and the praise that it will bring to God. I was reminded what it is that we have in our bulletin. If you recall in our bulletin, it says, the purpose of each Gina Baptist church is to glorify the God of the Holy Scriptures. And that we do that by promoting His worship, by building up the saints and evangelizing lost sinners. To this end, we are committed to proclaiming God's perfect word and the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the world and to defending the faith once delivered unto all the saints. It is our fervent intention that Jesus Christ be glorified, that all who join us be transformed into his image. Beloved, that is why we are here. That is why we exist. That is why we were created personally. This is why we are created even as a church and as the body of Christ for the glory of God. It is to God be the glory for the great things he has done in our lives and for the great things he has done in our church and for the great things he will do. As you go back and survey through the entire epistle, you will see where Paul has taught us that it is God who saved us. It is God who began that work of salvation in your heart and in your life. It is God who imputed the righteousness of Christ to your account. It is God who is working in you now to sanctify you and to make you more like Christ. It is God who will glorify you and transform you into the image of Christ. It is God who is sovereign over your salvation, over your suffering, and over the circumstances of your life. It is God who granted you faith to believe. It is Christ who humbled himself to the point of obedience on the cross for our sins and for the pleasure of his Father. It was God the Father who highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above all names and said that every knee will bow to him. It is God that Paul turned to to thank, to thank for the participation of the Philippians and their love and their support for him and their participation in the gospel. But Paul turned and he thanked God for that. It is God, Paul says here, there in verse 19, that will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. All the glory belongs to God. All the glory for all the things that they have done and all the things that they will do, all the blessings. Paul is saying, this belongs to God. God deserves all the glory. And beloved, that ought to move us, motivate us 
to want to walk in loving obedience to God as we think back through all of what Paul has said throughout this letter of saying we want to do what God's word is telling us to do because to God belongs all the glory forever and ever. Amen. That's when people get saved, we give God the glory. When people are being sanctified and maturing in Christ, God gets the glory. When we give to support the gospel, God is glorified. When we shine as lights in this dark and perverse generation, God is glorified. Really, we're talking about what must be the foundation behind our lives and what we're here to do. And Paul just reminding them of that. To God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Or as Paul says it over in 1 Timothy, in chapter 1 and verse 17, he says, Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So, beloved, understand that our purpose as a church, our purpose as believers is about the glory of God. It's about the glory of God. That's why it should have an impact on how we do church. It should have an impact on what we do and how we serve and everything that we do because we know our lives are we're here for the glory of God. There's more than that that Paul wants to remind them of. He wants to remind them of maintaining a right perspective, and that is to see themselves as being a part of the people of God, the family of God, and to see the church and that the church is supposed to to live as a family. They, They live as a family. Yes, we are focused on the the glory of God. But understand, beloved, ministry and the Christian life is about people and how we interact with one another. Notice what Paul says there beginning in verse 21 and verse 22. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Paul is trying to emphasize to them there this idea of greeting because he uses the word three times in those two verses. And when you think about greeting, beloved, it is a sign of solidarity. It is a sign of being together. And just to help you see this a little more, go over to uh, Colossians chapter 4 for just a moment. As Paul is finishing up his letter to the church at Colossae, Verse 10 of Colossians 4, he says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you his greetings. And the way you can think about that, he's saying, Aristarchus sends you his love. He is sending his love to you. He goes on to talk about Barnabas, cousin Mark, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. So this idea of greeting is the idea of sending our love, expressing our love. It's an idea of our, of our welcoming one another. Those that come to us, those who are a part of us. 
Down in verse 12, he says, Epaphras, who is one of your number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings, always laboring earnestly for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. Down in verse 14, it says, Luke, the beloved physician, sends you his greetings. Also, Demas. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and also Nympha and the church that is in her house. Greet, greet, greet. Paul keeps encouraging these believers. He keeps encouraging these churches to greet one another in the body of Christ. Over in 1 Thessalonians, he says, greet one another with a holy kiss. So I hope you're getting a part of the picture here when he's talking about greet one another. He's talking about welcoming one another, showing love for one another, embracing one another. There's an intimacy that is there in in a holy kiss. Maybe another way to help us to see what is meant by this idea of greeting is to see who we're not supposed to greet. Go over to the back of your Bible and go to 2 John, the little short epistle of 2 John. And pick it up, if you will, verse 9. In 2 John, verse 9, John says, Anyone who goes too far, What does he mean by too far? That is, they don't abide in the teaching of Christ. That person does not have God. The one who abides in the teaching, he has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house and do not give him a greeting. For the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. So you notice there, this aspect of greeting is obviously a welcoming of someone. It is an an embracing of someone, standing with someone, participating with them. That's why he says, don't greet someone, that is, don't stand with someone who goes outside the teachings of the gospel, the true gospel. You cannot embrace them. You cannot welcome them. You cannot... uh, Show a favor in that sense towards them. Why? He says, because when you do, you're actually now participating in their evil deeds. You're participating in their deception of others. So, beloved, my my point in, in reading that passage to you is to help you to see more of what Paul means and what John means when we see in Scripture that it says, greet one another. That's more than just saying, hello. When he's saying greet them, he's saying you need to be welcoming one another, embracing one another, participating in the lives of one another, sending your love to one another. That would mean, beloved, that as we gather here on Sundays together as a church, there should be a greeting of one another. When we see one another out in the community, there should be a greeting of one another whereby we warmly embrace each other. 
We love each other. We care for each other. Notice as you go back to our text how Paul uses himself and those who are with him as an example to encourage the church there at Philippi. He says, the brethren who are with me, they greet you. That is, we warmly stand with you. We embrace you. We love you. We care for you. Then he goes on further. says, all the saints greet you, especially those of, of Caesar's household. And what an encouragement that would have been to this church. Remember, Philippi is a city that is a Roman colony that is very loyal towards Rome, very loyal towards Caesar. And here Paul is saying, the believers that are here in the household of Caesar, please understand, they love you, they stand with you, they welcome you, they embrace you as a part of the body of Christ. What encouragement that would have been to them to know that there were some there in the household of Caesar that were embracing them and they were actually a part of that when you think about it because they got to hear the gospel because Paul was in prison and they were the ones supporting Paul. That is the church at Philippi, the one sending a gift to support Paul while he's in prison. And Paul's there sharing the gospel. That's why if you remember back in chapter 1, he says, My circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. Because it is it's becoming well known. And he's getting to share the gospel there where he is living. And those that are around him. So Paul uses himself and those believers that he is with to encourage the church. And notice what it says there in verse 21. Greet every saint. And he doesn't say greet all. He says greet every saint. Paul says this needs to be individual. No one needs to be left out. That every Remember, in every part of the body of Christ there at the church at Philippi, he's saying, you need to be greeting one another, standing with one another, loving one another, embracing one another. And no doubt, beloved, for the church and for the saints there with Paul, and the saints that were there in Rome, and the saints that were there in the household of Caesar, for them to send their greetings back to the church at Philippi meant that Paul, one, was praying for this church. They're hearing Paul pray for this church. And they're hearing Paul's heart for this church. And they're hearing how Paul is speaking so well about this church. And his love for them. And how wonderful this church is. And may I say for us, beloved, that is a very important aspect as well, that we speak well of one another, even to others who are outside the church. And that when those that come, and they come even here to gather with us, that they would always sense that this is a loving, welcoming family. Not something that's a put on, but something where people genuinely love each other, enjoy being with each other, like to talk and fellowship with each other, embrace each other. 
May I encourage you, may I challenge you to genuinely talk and fellowship with one another. When we come here on Sundays to genuinely look for opportunities to do that. And again, that, that means it's more than just a, a hello. There is an interest that we show in one another. Let me just ask it like this to just kind of help you. How often or when is the last time you really talked, you really fellowship with someone who sits around you? Because pretty much we all sit in the same spot. And I'm in the same spot every Sunday. And I'm not talking about family, your, your physical family. I'm talking about how often do we actually greet one another. Where we are interested in fellowshipping and talking and, and knowing one another. See, this is what Paul is reminding them of. As he has challenged them throughout this letter, he's reminding them, you're a family. And you're a family, so you greet and love and welcome and receive and embrace one another. And you embrace those who are even outside of the church at Philippi, the fellow believers, as we are to do as well. Just a reminder, beloved, we are to be about people. We're to be about the body of Christ. Thus, ministry, church life, the Christian life is about people. It is about people. This is one of the things I would always, I would want to stress sometimes to someone who who uh, says a believer, but, but just has no desire to, 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 to be at a church or to be in a church. Well, well, how can you do this? This is a command. This is commanded of God. Greet one another in the Lord. How can you do that if you're not with the people of God? To greet them, to show that love and embrace of them. Paul wanted to remind them of that. Let me give you one last reminder that is very critical. In fact, it may be the most critical thing that Paul says to them as he's closing this letter. When he says there in verse 23, it's really said in a way of, as a prayer, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Why does Paul say that? Well, because Paul wants to remind them that they cannot do anything and anything that he has called them, on them to do in this letter unless it is by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's reminding them of where the actual power comes from to do this. See, Paul does this on other occasions as well. This is not a throwaway line by Paul here in verse 23. This is not just a formality of him writing these words. There are no better parting words that Paul could have shared with them. In fact, the last inspired words that the Apostle Paul ever wrote 
The last inspired words the Apostle Paul wrote to any church, to any believer, has to do with this very subject. And I want you to see that for a moment. Go over to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy. That's the last letter that Paul wrote. Paul wrote 13 of the epistles that we have. 13 of the letters, 13 of the books of Bible that we have. And when he came to his 13th, the last one he was going to get to write, look at the last verse, the last sentence, the last thing Paul says. Verse 22, 2 Timothy 4, The Lord be with your spirit, grace be with you. Why? Why is it so important that Paul wraps up his letter why is it so important that Paul wraps up his ministry by honing in on grace? Beloved, it's because it is the grace of God. It is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that will be present, that will be the power, the resource for them, for any believer to do what it is that God's Word calls on them to do. You see the word grace there as we look back even in our text in Philippians. And he says, grace be with your spirit. When you see the word grace, here's, here's the terminology, here's the phrase I want you to have in your mind. Divine intervention. When you think about grace, you need to think about this is divine intervention in my life. So when we go back and we think back through the entire letter of the, the church that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, he said, We were saved by grace. Paul says, You're going to be sanctified by grace. Paul said, you're going to, you need to be solidified as a, as a church in oneness of heart, oneness of mind, oneness of purpose, oneness of focus, oneness of philosophy of ministry. That's all solidified by grace. Paul called on them, stand firm in the Lord, do it by grace. Suffer in the Lord by grace. Be strengthened in the Lord by grace. Sacrifice for others by grace. Share, speak, submit to one another by grace. Serve the Lord as you serve others sacrificially. Do that by grace. Be satisfied in Christ and in Christ alone by grace. Shine forth in this perverse generation by grace. So go back through all of that and understand when he's teaching these things and it's all by grace, just use the words divine intervention, saved by divine intervention. I'm going to be sanctified and we're going to be sanctified by divine intervention. Beloved, we're going to be solidified as the body of Christ in this oneness of heart and mind by divine intervention. You're going to be able to stand firm in the Lord only by divine intervention. You're going to be strengthened in the Lord by divine intervention. You're going to suffer the way God wants us to suffer in the Lord by divine intervention. You're going to sacrifice and serve others here in the body of Christ only by divine intervention. 
You're going to share and submit and speak to one another in love only by divine intervention. Shine forth for the Lord by divine intervention. Be satisfied in Christ only by divine intervention. So when Paul says there in Philippians 4, in that last verse, he says, Grace, be with your spirit. Paul knows that as they set forth to do it and they now have a responsibility to respond to the God's word and what it is he has written, they can't just say, I'm not going to do anything. No, they have to now get up off their seat, get out of their pew when they've heard these words from Paul knowing this is, these were the words of God and now say, we have to act. We have to respond. But as we do, we know we can accomplish nothing unless there is divine intervention. For our life, what we're doing. So unless God's grace is there with you, with your spirit, we will not be able to glorify God. We will not even be able to greet one another in the Lord as we should. It is divine intervention. And that's what Paul's praying for them. He's saying, grace be with your spirit. That's always been the interesting thing when you you look through Paul. I mean, Paul just says, like I said, you go back, he says, work out your salvation. Work it out, work it out, work it out. And then he says, God's working in you. And the work that comes out of you, God's the one who does it. Paul's calling on them to do all of these things and in the end he says, now grace be with your spirit. Grace to you. Beloved, at the very least, I hope as you hear and think about this very teaching that it causes you to pray. It causes you to pray as Paul was praying. Lord God, Lord Jesus Christ, may your grace be with me. May your grace be with us. May your grace be with our spirit so that we can be and do what you've called us to be and do as a church. You think about it, it is by grace you're saved. Have you been saved? Have you been saved by grace what, through faith? Putting your faith in Christ? In Christ alone? As the Lord of your life? As the Savior of your life? And trusting and trusting in Him alone? Have you been faithful to do that? Have you responded to the Lord God and His Word? Have you responded to the Gospel Well, beloved, these are not throwaway lines that Paul says here. They really complete the letter. Just refocus on what our purpose is. Our purpose here is the glory of God. Refocus on what the power is for us to do that. It's the grace of God. The glory and the grace of God. We're here for the glory of God and we're only going to accomplish it by the grace of God. 
And so we, we just have to then know that that lives itself out among the people of God. It lives itself out among the people of God. I pray that is the desire of your heart. And I pray that, it, that you will even take some time and go back and read through the book of Philippians again. And as you read through it, just remind yourself, Paul, God, is asking me to do this for his glory. And God has said, I need his grace to do it. And as I do it, I'm thinking about the people of God around me and how I can love them and embrace them. I would encourage you to do that. I would encourage you to put your faith in Christ if that's where you are this morning. Because may I say to you, beloved, this is where it must start for every single person to glorify God. For you to glorify God, you first and foremost must put your faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. You must be redeemed. You must be forgiven. You must be reconciled to God. And that only happens through His Son, Jesus Christ. His Son who came and lived without sin. Who went to the cross without sin. So that He could take our sins upon Him. And beloved, so that you could be forgiven of your sins and so that you could, your sins could be paid for in full by His Son. And God raised Him from the dead, declaring, I'm satisfied with Him. And everybody who comes and puts their faith in Him, I'm satisfied for them as well. Because He did that. And He satisfied me. And if anyone tries to come to me any other way, I will not be satisfied. There's no other way I'm going to be satisfied or accepting, God says, of anyone except through my son. But the thing is, if anyone will come to me through my son, I don't care where they've been, what they've done, I will receive them. I will not turn away. I will not reject Anyone who comes to me through my son. And that is by putting their faith, their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to ask you to bow your heads in prayer for a moment.